At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. I would like to thank Kevin McCarthy for writing Joe Biden's first re-election ad for him. Reporter, Mr. Speaker, how would you describe your interactions with Biden during negotiations? McCarthy, very professional, very smart, very tough at the same time. Voiceover announcer, President Biden, even the Republicans think he's very professional, very smart, very tough at the same time. Voiceover by President Biden. I'm Joe Biden and I approve this message because you heard him. I'm very professional, very smart, very tough at the same time. Voiceover announcer. Paid for by Biden-Harris 2024 and the committee to make Trump eat spit. I mean, there is a lot not to like in the debt ceiling deal. Like, why were we even in this situation again? And why seemingly will we be in it again in two years? And why are we literally taking food out of the mouths of the young and the poor while adding $80 billion to the Pentagon budget? But even all three of those things have good caveats to them. But otherwise, a complete win for the president. Complete. And you know me, I am not a cheerleader here. I'm not beholden to this man. He cleaned McCarthy's clock, humiliated the Republicans, enraged the Republicans, neutered the Republicans, kicked Trump in the ass. In no particular order, Trump told McCarthy not to make a deal. McCarthy made a deal. Bannon says the deal stripped Trump of his leverage in the election. Ha ha ha. Barney Rubble was so stunned, she said, wait for the text like she could read. And she changed the subject to Memorial Day. Set the Republicans against each other again. Congressman Bob Good just no true Scotsman it. He says no one claiming to be a conservative can vote yes. Ted Cruz hates it. Lindsey Graham hates it. Ron Johnson hates it. Congressman Ralph Norman says it's insanity and has virtually no cuts. You are correct, sir. 
It set the Republicans in the Rules Committee against each other. So McCarthy will need Democratic votes in the Rules Committee just to pass a bill that kicks his own ass. Andy Clyde, the congressman, said hard pass. Clay Higgins, the congressman, referred to both parties messaging a win as if he weren't a member of one of the parties messaging a win. Last time I looked, the president of the Trumpist Center for Renewing America had tweeted or retweeted 15 agonized times. And yet, Kevin McCarthy insists more than 95% of House Republicans are very excited about this deal. 5% of all the House Republicans is 11 House Republicans. I just quoted four over my dead bodies, plus Tom Massey will be five, Chip Roy is six, Dan Bishop is seven. You don't have a lot of margin here. The number needed for a motion, of course, to vacate the chair to put McCarthy's speakership up for a vote of no confidence is one. And Dan Bishop said McCarthy was supposed to eliminate 87,000 IRS agents, even though that's nonsense. But now Bishop is convinced McCarthy only eliminated 1,740 of them, which also kicks Trump in the ass. Their rage over the IRS was that there would now be so many more audits of rich Republicans who are breaking tax laws. Well, who's always been obsessed with audits? Trump has always been obsessed with audits. That's who. That whole thing about the IRS is about Trump. Kicked his ass. There's no default. There's no, you know, world economic cave-in. Social Security untouched, Medicare untouched, Medicaid untouched, tax rates untouched, domestic spending flat. Energy permitting process was supposed to only permit fossil fuels. Now it permits green fuel too. No sharp safety net cuts, no memory holding of student debt relief, no RAINS Act subjecting every major agency regulation to be voted on by Congress one at a time. Lord knows what happens next. They'll be voting tomorrow. But Biden got his part of this done early enough that markets and U.S. lending credibility will escape this almost unscathed internationally. Now, those good caveats I mentioned, the work requirements for SNAP are actually lower now for enough people and have been waived for veterans and the homeless and kids and others so that the net number of people for whom requirements are raised and those for whom they are lowered is actually believed to be equivalent, a wash, no change. And the Pentagon increased caveat, 80 billion, 85 billion. Look at it this way. In the first 16 months, we sent about 57.3 billion in military aid to Ukraine. We just got pro-Russian fascists like Marge to give Ukraine at least another 57.3 billion. Shh, don't tell them. It's wabbit season, and they're the wabbit. The $80 billion increase for the IRS that was supposed to be rescinded in its entirety, including all those agents, it may drop to $60 billion. And as to doing this all over again in 2025, Biden has since said he is now going to look at the 14th Amendment as a means to erase the debt ceiling. So that part of the agreement may not even exist by the time we're going to do it again. 
And I suspect he threatened McCarthy with using the 14th now, which is why he got this deal. Otherwise, McCarthy is an even bigger idiot than I thought he was, and I thought he was a pretty big idiot going into this. And most importantly, by holding fast, Biden pushed this issue. Why do we have a debt ceiling? He pushed it front and center in American politics. Did you ask yourself this question six months ago, six weeks ago? And he and the other Democratic leaders who I constantly berate here, they have kept every Democrat in office silent about how much Biden kicked Kevin McCarthy's ass and Trump's. Oh, no, we're we're pleased. Uh, Have a good Memorial Day, everybody. And maybe best of all for you if you follow politics and baseball. From Minnesota Twins fan Aaron Rupar of Public Notice, this sparkling, succinct drollery to wrap the whole thing up. Quote, a debt ceiling deal has been reached, pending a physical. Some other Memorial Day headlines for you. Ken Paxton impeached by the Texas Senate over what really matters to Texas Republicans. Forget the fascism. This is about kitchen furnishings and extramarital affairs. Ken will never be able to look his wife in the eye again. That's a joke. Take a look at a picture. Headline from the Philly Inquirer. A non-exhaustive list of trash pen students left on the streets of Philadelphia. What? A non-exhaustive list of trash pen students left on the streets of Philadelphia. What? I mean, it's bad enough you're calling them trash pen students, but you're leaving them on the streets of Philadelphia? Oh, I get it. Trash pen students left. I get it. My friend Will Bunch saw that first. Lara Lee Trump tweeted a photo of her kids last night. The boy, Trump's grandson, seems to be wearing... Rainbow Crocs. All right, fascists, better get that hate machine protest over to Lara and Eric Trump's house. Chadwick Moore, biographer of Tucker Carlson, says he has been banned from Fox, quote, news, unquote. And moreover, his sources there tell him they are not permitted to say the name Tucker on the air anymore. Well, of course, there's lots of things the people at Fox can't say. Have you ever watched Janine Pirro try to read a teleprompter? And sure enough, another Trump town hall on Fox Thursday from Iowa, Clive, Iowa, with Sean Hannity. But it's on tape. CNN did not, but even Fox has realized not to put Trump on live from Clive at five. You should not wish people a happy Memorial Day, but I hope it's a good one for you. As I said Friday, I'd be doing a podcast today if there were breaking news. I certainly think all of this qualifies. Biden wins the debt deal and gets the commercial made for him. Thank you, Kevin McCarthy. Now, there is a writer's strike. Is there going to be a problem because of that? Now, look, this is my day off. I think the last one I had was in February. So rather than pad this thing out to the required length by rerunning stuff from previous podcasts, I've got something you'll either completely enjoy 
or not want to listen to in a million years. If it's the latter, cool, I get it. See you tomorrow. On the other hand, after the break, I will be playing old stuff, two segments full, but nothing I have done more recently than 1987. You will hear, if you stick around, a bewildering supply of old radio broadcasts, starting with one I had completely forgotten about ever doing. Might be the first time I ever trashed Trump. It is from 1985 on the United Stations radio network as I was filling in on a sportscast for Charlie Steiner, the voice of the Dodgers. It is over how Trump was mishandling his team in the old United States Football League. When you say, boy... Olbermann never stops talking about Trump. It's true. After that, there follows the day, Friday, July 25th, 1980, when the big New York radio station I've referenced here many times before, WNEW, which had an enormous full-time news department and plenty of fill-in freelancers, they ran out. They had to ask the long-haired 21-year-old fill-in morning sportscaster to do the news in afternoon drive. That would have been me at 21 in the number one radio market in the country. So listen or don't, a whole bunch of 70s and 80s sportscasts in the second block. But first, the Trump bash from 1985 and the day I pretended to be a newscaster on WNEW, Metro Media Radio in New York. That's next. This is Countdown. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. The United States Football League is absolutely essential to civilization as we know it, and other falsehoods. I'm Keith Olbermann for Charlie Steiner on the United Stations Radio Networks with some thoughts on sports, and I'll be back after this. I must admit that some of my happiest moments in the last three years have come while watching the United States Football League. Not the games, mind you. The games are usually sloppy, boring, and pretentious. But the league is a gas. If it stops being a gas and instead, as they say, takes the gas, I'll be upset. First, there is a comical situation in New York. The New Jersey Generals and Houston Gamblers merged in what is not too cleverly concealed a bid for an NFL expansion team. 
What's the first thing Generals co-owner Donald Trump said after the merger? That his new team could easily beat the New York Jets, the New York Giants, or almost any other NFL club. This is nice, but not particularly relevant to the USFL. Trump, more or less the league's captain, is not only making sure he doesn't go down with the ship if it sinks, he's also busy building a yacht for himself and the first mate. Not scheduled to be on board that yacht is Doug Flutie. It's believed around USFL circles that Flutie is headed to Boston for the 1986 season, which is very appropriate considering he electrified that city while at Boston College, but there's just one problem. Boston doesn't have a USFL franchise. But they'll work it out. They always do. Somebody will move to Boston. Maybe the San Antonio Gunslingers or the Portland Breakers or the Kalamazoo Wheels. No, wait, the Kalamazoo Wheels play in the International Hockey League. Sorry. That's my favorite part of the USFL saga, the alacrity with which franchises move from city to city. The American Football League had only two franchise shifts in its history. The USFL has two a week. The league has all the stability of a box of ball bearings and a Teflon frying pan. The USFL may well go the way of the World Football League, Pro Team Handball, and the Seattle Pilots. I hope not. I need a constant source of entertainment. Of course, I take solace in the fact that bad ideas never go away. If the USFL folds, somebody out there will make sure that someday there'll be another one. I'm Keith Olbermann for Charlie Steiner on the United Stations Radio Networks. It's time now for Keith Olbermann. He was doing the morning sports when I was doing Ted show last week. This gentleman is peripatetic. Not to mention that he gets around a great deal for a young person. I'm Jim Lowe, and I hope you rejoin me in the Jim Lowe Music Hall. Straight ahead on WNEW Metro Media Radio in New York. WNEW News at 5.30. It's sunny and 92 degrees. I'm Keith Olbermann. There's been a seventh fatality from yesterday's explosion and fire at the factory building in Queens. The latest victim, 21-year-old Evelyn Rodriguez of Queens. Another eight still reported in critical condition undergoing treatment at the New York Hospital's burn center. No major power problems reported after the conclusion of what turned out to be a rather brief public service electric and gas strike. An all-night bargaining session produced tentative agreement on a two-year deal providing an 8.5% raise the first year a 9% hike the second. Some 5,000 clerical and electrical workers had struck the New Jersey power outlet last night. Security precautions reported tighter than ever at the Metropolitan Opera House now. This after Wednesday's murder of violinist Helen Hagnes Middix. Police continuing their investigation, questioning now members of the Berlin Ballet Troupe who are scheduled to leave the city next week. Reports now that Ms. Middix died of injuries suffered as the result of her fall. The special Senate subcommittee that will investigate Billy Gate has announced plans to start its work on Tuesday. Full details on these stories and the rest of the news on the hour at 6 with Bruce Charles. Now in sports, Commissioner Lawrence O'Brien of the NBA has awarded the Knicks Seattle's first choice in next year's college draft. That, O'Brien's response to a court-ordered restructuring of the compensation the Sonics got two years ago when the Knicks signed away Marvin Webster from Seattle. O'Brien gave the Knicks the choice of the choice or the $275,000 that he valued the choice at. Knicks are expected to go for the draft pick. They say, though, they're not pleased with the O'Brien decision. They still want Lonnie Shelton back. Turnabout, though, possibly not fair play at the Moscow Olympics this afternoon. Nadia Komenich, originally placed by the scores in a tie for the silver in the women's floor exercises, saw her marks upgraded so that she wound up sharing the gold with her arch-rival, Nellie Kim. Earlier, Nadja took a gold in her own right in the beam competition. A bunch of British Olympians had something to wave the Union Jack about today. Alan Wells winning the gold in the 100-meter dash. Steve Ovid and Sebastian Coe both earning semifinal victories in the 800 meters. They'll square off along with six others in the finals tomorrow. Daley Thompson of Great Britain moved into the early lead after three of the decathlon events. 
Alexander Dediatin, the Russian male gymnast, took home a loot bag full of six medals. Today alone, one gold, four silvers, one bronze. Dediatin with eight medals at the game so far. The local sports, Mets at home, Yanks on the road after this. This, the Australian airline. The Yankees and Royals meet for the second time in a week, starting tonight in Kansas City. Louis Tiot coming off the disabled list to start this evening against the Royals. And happy to have him back is Yankees second baseman Willie Randolph. Well, Tiot gives us that experience, of course. He's been there, and uh, when you get down to the dog days, which we are approaching right now, uh, he, he comes too big for you. He likes the hot weather, and uh, like I said before, Louis is that, that old craftsman who uh, knows what to do when, when the situation arises. Randolph and the Yanks are eight and a half games in front of the East in the American. Casey up by 11 in the West. The Royals have reportedly given third baseman George Brett a neat $5 million for a five-year contract. The Mets are home to Cincinnati, looking for better things than last weekend's 1-3 and three record against the Reds at Riverfront Stadium. Pitchers tonight in the opener of the nine-game homestand, Paul Moscow for the Reds, Pat Zachary for the Mets. Not a single game in progress in baseball right now, though momentarily doubleheader action starts at Philadelphia, the Braves and the Phils, and at Cleveland, the Angels and Indians. Starting at 6 o'clock, the Red Sox, Red Sox play two at Minnesota. The stocks, the Dow Jones Industrial Average down 8.02 today, closing at just more than 918. The American also down 1.45 to settle at 316.47. And the over-the-counter NASDAQ index dropped 0.29 to close at 169.63. The WNEW Weather Center forecast for New York City and vicinity tonight clear and mild, low near 70. We'll have one of those full moons as well. Tomorrow, mostly sunny, the humidity going up and the high in the low 90s, just in case you forgot what the early part of the week was like. Tomorrow night, fair and warm, low in the mid-70s, and on Sunday, partly cloudy, hot and humid, again, the high in the low 90s. Right now, it's sunny, 92 degrees, the humidity 27%, the winds are at 5 miles an hour, and they're from the southwest now. I'm Keith Olbermann, WNAW News, with Jim Lowe. $5 million for a five-year contract? Woo! But you know something, it isn't steady. They're out of work six months of the year. In the Jim Lowe Music Hall, when you come back, we'll have a big band sweep and another Nostalgia Trivia Hall of Fame question straight ahead on WNEW Metro Media Radio in New York. WNEW News at 6.30. It's sunny and 90 degrees. I'm Keith Olbermann. The news being brought to you by the New York Bank for Savings. Violinist Helen Hagnes Middix was alive when she fell 60 feet to her death down an air shaft at the Metropolitan Opera House at the statement today of the city medical examiner's office. Severe fractures to the skull, ribs, and legs apparently caused Miss Middix's death. Increased security procedures reported today at the Met, including the use of ID cards by employees. A seventh person has now died as the result of the terrible explosion and fire at the metal factory in Queens yesterday. Another eight people still in critical condition at New York Hospital's Burns Center. The PSE&G strike is over less than 24 hours after it began, an all-night bargaining session producing a tentative agreement that would, if approved, give 5,000 clerical and electrical workers raises of 8.5% and then 9% over two years. And the two sides in the PATH dispute have been called back to the bargaining table for a meeting they will meet next Wednesday. Full details on these stories and the rest of what's happening on the 7 o'clock news with Bruce Charles. Now in sports, Preston Gomez, who took over the Chicago Cubs after the end of last season, was fired this afternoon as the team's manager, third base coach Joey Amalfitano, who took over last season when Herman Franks resigned as the Cub manager, has again been named acting field boss. 
Chicago is 38 and 52 right now in last place in the NL East. They're 13 games back of front-running Pittsburgh. Baseball tonight, the Yankees are at Kansas City with Louis Tiant trying to make a successful comeback after three weeks on the disabled list. Rich Gale to pitch for the Royals. At Chase Stadium, the Reds are in town to start off a nine-game homestand for the Mets. It'll be Paul Moscow against Pat Zachary. Three doubleheaders underway in the major leagues right now in Philadelphia. The Phillies lead the Braves 2-1 in the third inning of the first game there. Angels over the Indians 3-0 in the second game of their, or the first game of their doubleheader, second inning rather. And the Red Sox and Twins scoreless in the first at Minnesota. The Jets and Giants battled to a 10-10 tie at Hofstra this afternoon in the rookies scrimmage. Second round draft choice Ralph Clayton outshined top jet pick Lamb Jones. Clayton with a five-yard touchdown run and four catches for 48 yards. The Giants TD came on a Scott Brunner to Danny Pittman four-yard pass. At the Olympics, yesterday Nadia Komenich had her score readjusted downwards. That took a gold medal away from her. Today she had the tally upgraded as Patty Berman reports and she wound up with two gold medals. Competition in women's gymnastics was an event charged with high emotion and political tension. Patty Berman, Moscow. Also at Moscow, Russia's male gymnastics win, whiz, rather, Alexander Dediadin won no fewer than six medals, a gold, four silvers, and a bronze in competition today. The Soviets with 34 gold, 76 total medals. Second place East Germany has only 11 gold, just 47 total. All the Knicks will say is, we're not happy. We'll have more on that story after this from the New York Bank for Savings. So put your hard-earned money to work at the New York Bank for Savings, the Beehive Bank. We give you more. Member FDIC. The Knicks are not happy about NBA Commissioner Larry O'Brien's decision this afternoon that they should receive Seattle's first choice in next year's college draft. That O'Brien's way of restructuring the Marvin Webster compensation case from two years ago. About a month ago, a court said he had to give the Knicks something back from that compensation. Mike Burke and the gang at the Garden were hoping for Lonnie Shelton. Jim Simons is 62 yesterday, is 70 today, but he's still up by a stroke at the Greater Hartford Open. Patty Hayes and Sally Little up by one at the LPGA event on the island at Jericho. And Yonkers Raceway will reopen tonight after more than a week of quiet due to the horse owner's boycott. Down day on Wall Street, the Dow Jones dropped 8.02, closing at 918.09. The American index dropped 1.45, closing at about 316 and a half. And the over-the-counter NASDAQ lost 0.29, finishing up at uh, 169.63. The WNAW Weather Center forecast for New York City and vicinity, it was a nice day. It will be a nice evening. Clear and mild, low near 70, the full moon out tonight. Mostly sunny, getting stickier tomorrow as the humidity goes up, high in the low 90s. Tomorrow night, fair and warm, low in the mid-70s. Sunday, a lot like tomorrow, only more cloudy, hot, humid, high in the low 90s. Right now, sunny, an even 90 degrees, 32 Celsius. Humidity stands at 32%. Winds coming from the southwest at 6 miles an hour. The news has been brought to you by the New York Bank for Savings. I'm Keith Olbermann, WNAW News. Back now to Jim Lowe. This is WNEW New York, 1130 on your dial, Metro Media Radio. Stay tuned right now for Keith Oberman and the news in the sports. In five minutes, Stan Martin. Five minutes, Mr. Martin, on WNEW Metro Media Radio in New York. WNEW News at 8 o'clock. It's clear 86 degrees. I'm Keith Olbermann. Security is tight. The atmosphere tense at Lincoln Center this evening where the Metropolitan Opera will go on with the show. New security procedures such as the use of ID cards by employees entering the Opera House went into effect today after Wednesday's murder of violinist Helen Hagnes Middix. 
More on the circumstances of the violinist's death released today. Mona Rivera has a report. It was a gruesome death. I'm Mona Rivera, WNEW News. The explosion and fire at that Queen's factory happened yesterday, but the suffering and the tragedy appear to be stretching out to many days. The death toll now seven after 42-year-old Louis Cruz of Manhattan died early this morning, and 21-year-old Evelyn Rodriguez died at a quarter to three this afternoon. Miss Rodriguez was the fourth to die of injuries since the explosion. Three died on the scene. Eight are still reported in critical condition from the blast, three with burns over 70% of their bodies. Their prospects for survival, very poor. Not all the news is grim this Friday night. The public service electric and gas strike over less than a day after it started. PSE&G reaching tentative settlement this afternoon with 5,000 electrical and clerical workers who'd walked out last night. Utility spokesman Art Lenahan details the pact. We have reached uh, a tentative agreement with the uh, negotiating team of the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers. The agreement calls for an eight and a half percent increase uh, in wages during the first year, eight and a half percent the first year, and a nine percent increase in the second year. Union approval is still necessary before it's official. Maybe, just maybe, things will be on the verge of breaking in the seemingly endless path strike. The federal mediator involved has directed representatives of the Port Authority and Local 1330 of the Carmen to go back to the negotiating table, and that they will next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Nationally, Republican presidential nominee Ronald Reagan told in Los Angeles News Conference today he expects to receive personal attacks for President Carter during the campaign for the White House. As to what Carter is up to as campaign 1980 swings into high gear, here is Walter Rogers from Washington. But privately, Carter aides are deeply concerned about the political problems created by the president's brother Billy, spokesman Jody Powell acknowledging this is an extremely difficult time for us. Walter Rogers at the White House. New developments in the Billy Carter story seemingly coming by the hour now. Attorney General Benjamin Civiletti saying now that he and President Carter had discussed Billy's involvement with Libya back last month. The Justice Department's Internal Security Division responded to the revelation by launching an investigation into whether or not Civiletti's involvement in the Billy Carter mess was in violation of the law or of department regulations. In sports, the National Basketball Association has awarded the Knicks the first-round choice belonging to Seattle in the next college draft. That part of the reworking of the Marvin Webster compensation, the Knicks say they're not happy with that. Nadia Comaneci won two gold medals at the Olympics today, earning the gold in the beam, sharing the gold in the floor exercises with her arch-rival Nellie Kim. The Giants and Jets battled to a 10-10 tie in their rookie scrimmage at Hofstra. Yonkers reopens this evening, and Preston Gomez has been fired as manager of the Chicago Cubs, coach Joey Amalfitano taking over as a temporary replacement. The WNAW Weather Center forecast for New York City and vicinity. Tonight, clear and mild, low about 70. Tomorrow, it'll be sunny and warm again, high in the low 90s, but there will be lots of the humidity. Tomorrow night, fair and warm, low in the mid-70s. And wrapping up the weekend on Sunday, partly cloudy, hot, and humid, the high back up to the low 90s. Right now, the temperature 86 degrees, 30 degrees Celsius. It's clear with the humidity standing at 53%. Winds from the northwest at 9 miles an hour. I'm Keith Olbermann, WNAW News, with Stan Martin. Garner, here at WNAW New York with Stan Martin.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. KNX News Time 525. Happy Memorial Day in Los Angeles. I'm Keith Olbermann for Brent Musburger with Sports Time, sponsored in part tonight by Tenactin Athletes Foot Remedy. Eric Davis did not hit a home run as his Reds beat the Cubs 5-4 this holiday afternoon, but that's all right. Eric Davis will still hit 63 home runs this season. At least that's what basic math suggests. 17 homers in his team's 44 games works out to 63 homers in his team's 162 games. Charlie Brown may have been able to insist that Lucy tell her statistics to shut up, but the homer binge in baseball cannot be ignored because it's not just Eric Davis. Last year, only two players hit more than 35 homers. This year, 27 of them are on schedule to top that mark, and five could top 50. The start of Oakland rookie Mark McGuire projects out to 62 homers. At the current pace, Mike Schmidt, Andre Dawson, and Ozzie Virgil would hit 53 each. And at this rate, light-hitting Philly shortstop Luis Aguayo would pound 24 of them. And when Luis Aguayo starts hitting 24 homers a year, it's time to start asking questions. What's worse than athlete's foot? And only your FTD florist has it. There are many explanations for the festival of home runs, the most obvious of them being that someone's put something inside the baseball, like rubber or maybe a nice thick hollandaise sauce. Major League Baseball and the manufacturers, the Rawlings Company, insist nothing's changed. But Cardinals manager Whitey Herzog says he's taken a bunch of 1986 baseballs and a bunch of 1987 baseballs and cut them down to the core. Whitey then dropped the shorn balls from the height of five feet. He says the 1987 baseballs always bounced higher than the 1986 baseballs, higher by a foot per bounce. Advocates of other explanations believe all this proves is that Whitey Herzog has a lot of spare time on his hands. The other theories, players are suddenly stronger due to new weight training techniques perfected in the last year. Or, with a number of star pitchers on the disabled list, there are more bums throwing fatter pitches to the hitters. Or, that the Ballyhoo debuts of slugging youngsters like Eric Davis, Incavilia, Canseco, have inspired every player to see if he too can't unleash the hidden power within. If this theory is accurate, then those six home runs by Luis Aguayo suggest that the Phillies' utility man has an ability for self-improvement that makes L. Ron Hubbard and Norman Vincent Peale seem like amateurs. I care about feeling good. Use as directed. 
back-to-home runs. There's nothing wrong with them. There's nothing wrong with a lot of them. But you should have to go to the ballpark to see them. The way things are going at the moment, all you have to do is look out your window. There'll be a home run flying by any moment now. For Brent Musburger, I'm Keith Olbermann on the CBS Radio Network. KNX News Time 529. Here's Bill Keen. Bill? I'm Bob Hagan, WNEW News. On the Ted Brown Show at 633. And now, WNEW Sports and Commentary with John Kendall. Good morning, Keith Olbermann for John. Sitcoms starring Jerry Van Dyke, newscasters at Channel 7, premiers of Italy, and Yankee managers. And before you ask what do those groups have in common, know this. Gene Michael has been fired for the second time in 11 months, and guess who done it? Pride will be interim manager for the balance of the year, and that uh, I'm hoping he'll be able to do a good job. And uh, some of these players uh, would be well advised to start playing up to as good as they think they are. George Steinbrenner last night naming Clyde King manager after the Yanks dropped a pair to the White Sox 1-0 and 14-2. He said he'd really rather have fired the players and not the manager, but of course he couldn't do that. The Bears statistics, nine years, nine managerial changes, two this year. There are now three managers George has fired twice each. And pretty poor Clyde King. This is the list of the jobs he's held since coming to, into Steinbrenner's employee in 1976. In order. Special scout, minor league instructor, major league coach, special minor league coach, major league coach, special roving coach, special assignment scout, major league co uh, coach, special roving coach, and now manager. The rest of the season, or three Steinbrenner explosions, whatever comes first. I was talking to Tommy John yesterday before the ball games at the stadium, six hours before the firing, and he told me the real reason he wanted out of New York was that he saw the situation snowballing, things getting far worse in terms of turmoil and turbulence and not better. This was before the stick got canned, and it did indeed get worse even before the stick got canned. As the Yanks were getting blasted in the nightcap, George pulled a rake crock. Remember when the Padre owner got on the PA system in San Diego to apologize for how badly his team was playing? Well, George had Bob Shepard, Shepherd, the PA announcer, offer a ticket turn-in. Give your stubs back in exchange for a ticket to another ball game. That embarrassed the ball players, as did the Michael firing, and you can bet things are going to go crazy in the Bronx the rest of this year. Forget the pennant race. And what's the reaction among Yankee fans? Well, WNAW's Mike Eisgrau spoke to one rooter in Midtown Manhattan this morning. That man's crazy. That's what I would say. Michael or Steinbrenner? Steinbrenner. Why? <laughs> With all the firing he does, I tell you. I think he should sell that to him. Sounds like a good idea. George, this firing your employees stuff is getting out of hand. Go see the team doctor, Dr. Bonomo, and see if he knows a good counselor and get it checked out. Maybe it is something. That's an impassioned plea from a jaded ex-Yankee fan. Elsewhere, one of the guys George got rid of last year shut out the Mets. Doug Bird throws a three-hitter, Cubs five, Mets nothing. Mets turn to triple play, sort of like getting a suntan during an atomic explosion. Briefly, the scoreboard, National League, Giants over the Braves 6-3, to three, Phillies 3, Expos 2, Dodgers shut out the Reds 4 nothing. Cards 4, the Pirates 2, and in 11, Houston 7 and the Padres 6. In the American, two other Twinighters, but uh, none of the losing managers got fired. Baltimore and Boston split, Orioles the first 7-2, Red Sox the second 7-6. Texas and Cleveland, Cleveland the first 2 nothing. Texas the nightcap 5-4 in 10. Also, Seattle over Oakland 3-2, the Twins beat the Angels 5-4, Royals 6, the Tigers 5, and the Brewers 7, Toronto 4. And the Jets make news, getting rid of a rookie safety named Chuck Cook and buying from New England a tackle named Charles Cook, which makes me think that's what will happen in the Bronx one day. George will fire Clyde King and replace him with Clyde King. Keith Olbermann for John Kennelly on the Ted Brown Show. On W-N-E-W. 
I'm Bob Hagen, WNEW News. On the Ted Brown Show, it's 7.34. And now, WNEW Sports and Commentary with John Kendall. Good morning, Keith Olbermann for John. A stunning development from the Bronx. The Yankees have not fired their manager this morning. Of course, last night is a different story altogether. At 1.06 a.m. Eastern Steinbrenner time, right after the Yanks dropped two to the White Sox, Gene Michael was junked. Clyde King brought in as the third skipper of this 1982 Yankee campaign. Here is the prime suspect in the last scalping at Fort Apache, the Bronx. Sometimes I wish that uh, you could let go of a lot of players instead of having to let go of a manager, but that isn't the way this game happens to be structured. I think we've got some players on this team that think they're a lot better than they are. And uh, it's hurt us. That's not everybody. We've got some guys that are as good as they think they are, but we've got a number of them who think they're an awful lot better baseball player than they really are. Apart from assuring that the Yankees could never get it together in time to make a challenge down the stretch this year, the move accomplishes the following. It lets George say he's fired now three guys two times each. It lets him even up his years running the club and his managerial changes, now nine each. It means twice George has fired a manager before he was even supposed to get the job. Michael wasn't due back at the helm until 1983. And it gives George Gene Michael the unique distinction of having been fired twice from the same job in less than 11 months. And, of course, it blows away any remaining credibility George or the front office might have had with fans or players or managers. Speaking of managers, Saturday is old-timers day at the stadium, and there's no truth to rumors that the two teams of returning heroes will be old Yankee managers who quit versus old Yankee managers who were fired. Yanks and White Sox play a doubleheader again today. Clyde King meets the press at 1 o'clock. Last night, the scores were 1-0 and 14-2 Chicago, and the 14-2 one did it for George. He's even said fans attending last night's game could turn in their ticket stubs for tickets to future games. Unfortunately, he made that announcement while the second game was still in progress last night. I'm surprised some of the players didn't walk off the field when they heard that. As to the Mets, they continue on in their mundane, peaceful little way, playing the Cubs again in Chicago this afternoon at Wrigley, Swan versus Jenkins. Yesterday, it was ex-Yankee Doug Bird throwing a three-hitter to beat the Mets. He's five-zip. Around baseball, the following teams played last night. Some won, some lost, but none fired their manager. American League, Milwaukee over Toronto, 7-4. KC beat the Tigers, 6-5. Twins, 5. The Angels, 4. Mariners over the A's, 3-2. Two twilight doubleheaders splits. Boston and Baltimore. Orioles in the first, 7-2. Red Sox, the nightcap, 7-6. Cleveland and Texas. Indians, the first, 2-0. And in the nightcap, in 10 innings, it is Texas, 5. Cleveland, 4. National, Giants over the Braves, 6-3. Phillies beat the Expos, 3-2. All three Philly runs coming in the sixth inning. They were unearned, started by an error by Doug Flynn at second base for the Expos for the first time last night. Astros over the Padres 7-6, that one in 11. Cardinals for the Pirates 2. Dodgers shut out the Reds 4-0. Briefly, Scott Kleinendorst, an all-conference defenseman at Providence College, is signed with the Rangers. He and his brother Kurt, who was also Ranger property, do not, in fact, belong to the family that makes its living sewing the names onto the back of the Ranger jerseys. Names the story with the Jets, too. They've picked up tackle Charles Cook on waivers from New England. And to make room for Charles Cook, they've waived a guy named Chuck Cook, a rookie safety. Obviously, they have a Charles or Chuck Cook quota. And finally, back to the Yanks. If George is going to switch managers twice or three times a year, he ought to use it properly for the public relations bonanza it could be. He should schedule the firings in advance and put them on the schedule as promotion days. Bat day, ball day, cap day, guillotine day. Keith Olbermann for John Kennelly on the Ted Brown Show. On One Texas Ranger, relief pitcher Sparky Lyle, is making a bundle on his latest literary effort. Here with a review of the book is WVBR's Keith Olbermann, who incidentally sharpened his fangs for this one. This book stinks. 
The Bronx Zoo purports to be an astonishing inside look at the world champion New York Yankees and their coast-to-coast rivals. But the only thing astonishing about it is that Sparky Lyle and co-author Peter Golenbach could transform an incredible season with one of the most interesting and talented groups of ballplayers ever assembled into 248 pages of absolute dribble. The book is in diary form, and the comparison to Jim Bouton's classic Ball Four is a natural one. Unfortunately for Lyle and Golenbach, the comparison is hardly favorable. Ball Four is a book about a bunch of men who play baseball, one of them being Jim Bouton. The Bronx Zoo, on the other hand, is about Sparky Lyle's obsession with not pitching enough for the Yankees in 1978. There are some humorless anecdotes and superficial character portraits thrown in, but they are there only to stretch the book to its pointless length. Not only does Lyle's constant bitching get repetitive, but after 50 pages it gets damn irritating. Another remarkable fault of this book is Lyle's wishy-washy approach to his teammates and his fellow travelers. Lyle spends two pages decimating former Yankee Sam McDowell's reputation, calling McDowell everything from a liar to an alcoholic, and then he concludes the piece by noting, Sudden Sam, he was a joy and a treat. I wish the guy all the best. He deserves it. Every time Lyle blasts a teammate or a management type as he did McDowell, he sugarcoats it with a throwaway compliment like that one. A lot of the book's problems owe to co-author Golenbach, whose other baseball effort was a disjointed Yankee anthology called Dynasty. It was written in the same sixth grade style that reappears here. For all we know, Lyle could have written this book like Isaac Newton, but after Golenbach got at the manuscript, it reads more like Wayne Newton. There are supposedly great insights and remarkable revelations in this book, but they eluded me entirely. Certainly, it should be interesting to read about the foibles and the fallacies of famous ballplayers, but Lyle presents all of it in such a matter-of-fact, dry-as-cotton style that you find yourself praying for the remaining pages of the book to be blank. The Bronx Zoo by Sparky Lyle and Peter Golenbach. I was dumb enough to spend ten bucks on it. Don't you be. You are welcome to borrow my copy. You are, in fact, welcome to keep my copy. That's the sports essay. I'm Keith Olbermann. Keith, it sounds like a great book. It's 5.45, time for tonight's World Report Sports with Keith Olbermann. Keith? Thank you very much, Betty. Good evening. World Report Sports brought to you by Harold's Army-Navy on the Ithaca Commons. Harold's makes the difference. They wrapped up the last six rounds of the NFL College Draft today, and there were few names left when the San Francisco 49ers opened it up in the seventh round by picking Stanford running back Phil Francis. Of most interest, two Ivy League players taken among the late picks, Yale tight end John Spagnola, drafted as a hometown choice of the New England Patriots in the ninth frame. Brown guard Bob Forster was Detroit's 12th round choice. For the third year running, the Ivy League's player of the year was not drafted. Dartmouth quarterback Buddy Tevens left at the church by the pros. Nobody nibbled even at Cornell's Joe Holland. A two-sport selection occurred in the seventh round when St. Louis went for wide receiver Kirk Gibson of Michigan State. He happens also to be outfielder Kirk Gibson of the Tigers' farm at Evansville. Gibson's baseball deal forbids him to play any pro football, but then again, the Cardinals might get away with it by playing their usual brand of amateur football. Sorry about that one. And making the neat transition to baseball, the Texas Rangers have junked veteran shortstop Bert Campanaris. Can't be going to the California Angels for infielder Dave Chalk in a straight trade. Just three years ago, Texas owner Brad Corbett paid Campanaris a million dollars for five years of service, and baseball experts said Corbett was crazy. They were right. Campanaris hit just 186 last year for Texas, and the Rangers were forced to import three rookies to play short this year. The swap for Chalk has reportedly been in the works for months, delayed only by Chalk's status as a disabled player. 
Other baseball notes tonight, Atlanta Braves general manager Bill Lucas is being kept alive by artificial means, but doctors do not hold any hope for his recovery from massive brain hemorrhage and cardiac arrest suffered Wednesday night. Lucas is 43. A decision whether to shut down the support system keeping him alive will be made this weekend. Meanwhile, two ball players have gone on the disabled list. Twin pitcher Jeff Zahn zapped for three weeks with a bum shoulder. Philly second baseman Manny Trio out for the same time period with a fractured left forearm. The Red Sox got Carlton Fisk back on the active roster today, but they can't say when he will return to playing action. And the Yankees sent rookie reliever Ron Davis back to Columbus, making room for Jim Beatty, called up on Wednesday. Turning over to the local scene, it's Cornell's Spring Fest weekend. The top event for area fans is the Big Red Laxman's 2 o'clock face-off with Princeton tomorrow. WVBR's Alan Caro has more. Keith? Thank you, Alan. The 45th annual outdoor heptagonals come up this weekend at Brown. The Big Red were second in the indoor heps and are the defending outdoor champs going into this one. Here's Jeff Cohn with the preview. Keith? Thank you, Jeff. Thursday Night Fever, starring Pedro Borbon. That's next after this from Harold's. Blue Jeans. 9 to 5.30. The scene is swinging Cincinnati disco. The dancing dudes and foxy ladies strutting it like there's no tomorrow. The doors swing open and in he steps. He's dashing debonair, wearing a baseball cap. Yes, he's pitcher Pedro Borbone of the Cincinnati Reds. He strides to the bar, cool as can be, but suddenly an altercation, a fight. Oh no, Borbone and the bartender, and Borbone bites him. Fiction? Pedro Borbon says yes. The Cincinnati police say no. It actually happened last night, and they have charged the Reds reliever with assault for striking and biting disco lounge employee John Toppitz when Toppitz tried to break up an altercation between Borbon and another patron. Are you sure this is the way John Travolta started? Still ahead of us tonight on World Report Sports. All right already. Still ahead of us tonight on World Report Sports. Indiana wants him, but he can't go back there. Habs on the tube and a derby bet straight from the horse's mouth. Details upcoming, but now from Louisville, here's the other part of the horse's anatomy, Howard Cosell. Hello again, everyone. Howard Cosell, speaking of sports. This is Howard Cosell from Churchill Downs. We bring you Howard and assorted guests over the telephone lines twice a day on WVBR at 8.25 on Morning Report and every evening right here on World Report Sports. It's less than 24 hours since Sam Nassi took over the NBA's Indiana Pacers, but already the new club owner is making waves. Nassi saying today he'd like to see Indiana State star Larry Bird wear a Pacer uniform next season. Bird and the Boston Celtics are on the rocks as far as contract negotiations go, but the Celts say unequivocally they have not given Indiana permission to talk to Mr. Bird. Two games on tap tonight in the NBA semis. San Antonio at Washington opening up this evening. The TV game from Seattle sees the Sonics up 1-0 over Phoenix. And no action today in those knotted NHL Cup final, semifinals. I'll get it out yet. But word from the league offices in Montreal that it'll be the Canadiens and the Bruins on the tube tomorrow night from the Forum and not the Islanders and the Rangers. Airtime on Channel 9 locally tomorrow night will be 8 p.m. Finally tonight, as customary on the eve of Derby Day, the WVBR sports prediction. Well, Wilbur, I'll take flying paster. Thank you and good night. World Report Sports brought to you by Harold's Army Navy on the Ithaca Commons. There are still three hours of shopping left at Harold's tonight. I'm Keith Olbermann. Stay tuned to VBR for updates throughout the evening. And Steve Enmarks, complete sports wrap-up tonight. Hopefully it'll be a little bit more on the level 
He'll be back at late edition time at 11 o'clock. Betty? Thank you very much, Keith. It's 5.55. The stock report is after this. And finally, WVBR is one of the few places with a bona fide baseball card collector, the one and only Keith Olbermann. Here's his sports essay. It was Craig Mustard, the Red Sox fan, who got us started. What downtown did you wear? West Tompkins Street. Where? Where? What? What store? Burling's Market down on West Tompkins Street. He got baseball cards. I saw him today. He's wearing a Yankee hat. Wearing a Yankee. Let's go. <laughs> Come on. I think I can get. Uh, let's see, three boxes, which would be two hundred sixty-seven, twenty thousand, one thousand and eighty uh, packs of cards, or a ten-up pack. Uh, may, might be able to get a set that way. I don't know. the market now we're moving in oh my good gracious i don't see them ray you're gonna, you're gonna make me look sick where are they what happened to the baseball cards i'm gonna kill you mustard i saw him here i'm gonna kill him kill was that tell these guys gonna kill me i saw I'm gonna kill him they should have been in safe you want a whole, whole box of them yeah at least do you really sure get them now. Right now? Yeah. Where, Red Sox fan, I thought I do we go that. now? Where? North side and Mickey's Market, the next two stops. Follow me. Guess what? They didn't have them there. One more chance. Yeah, that's it. Jake's red and white might have it. Jake's red and white. Where's Jake's red and white? Just so you can follow Up me afterwards. <laughs> they didn't have them at Jake's. We had one last chance. Standing here in the corners of Seneca and Albany Streets, getting the signal from Craig Mustard from inside the shortstop. We're going to make a dash across the road now. Make the swing through. Approaching the door, I'm saying I'm about 20 feet from it now. Into the door. You saved yourself this See, time, Mustard. Red Sox fan saved himself as usual. Pulled it out in the clutch. All right, what do you want for a box? Box. Yeah, one full box with the 20 packs. Uh, Mustard I knew pulls it out in the clutch. 740. 740. Pulled it out from. All right, let me have three boxes. Three boxes. Three boxes. Take your choice. A, B, and three. Okay, we're going to see who the first card we pull out for the 79 campaign is. All right. We'll make that ceremonial uh, first pitch. First pitch, yep. I'll take the quarter, thank you. <laughs> How do I give you $3? figure out where it comes from. It's a mess. It's a mess, oh, of course. Finished. It's a mediocre oh, season, it's indeed. Doug Flynn. Doug Flynn. Oh, forget it. Second baseman, shortstop. All right, troops. We got our mission. Let's go. Thanks a lot. So long, Doug Flynn. <laughs> Sends me to a grocery somewhere in Omaha. Of course, where else would they have them but the shortstop? That's the sports essay from downtown. Get in the but, car. But I don't want to. That's the sports essay from downtown, produced with the invaluable assistance of Eric Gorant, Craig Mustard, and Topps Chewing Gum. I'm Keith Olbermann. Let's go. Yeah. $21 for baseball cards. And in this week's sports essay, Keith Olbermann looks at one team's vain hopes of a championship. Thank you, Jeff. The New York Rangers have not won hockey Stanley Cup since 1940. Ice fans, and especially Ranger fans, have puzzled about their team's lack of success throughout the years, and they've attributed it to many people and things. Fans of the 40s blamed it on World War II and the loss of a bunch of stars to military service. Fans of the 1950s blamed it on World War II. Fans of the 1960s blamed it on World War II. Fans of the 1970s blamed it on John Ferguson. 
Finally, last summer, Ranger management decided it was time to stop hunting down the scapegoats and instead take positive action. Freddie Shiro was imported from Philadelphia to rebuild the club. The twin Swedes, Anders Hedberg and Ulf Nielsen, were swiped from the WHA, and the club's practice site was moved from decadent Long Island to decadent Westchester. So the Rangers, their moguls, and their fans think they will do it this year. Last night's 7-1 playoff opening route of Los Angeles makes them think the late-season slump is over and the march to the Cup is underway. Uh-uh. You see, the Rangers really have no control over what happens to them past March 1st or so. They never had, and they never will. For in mid-March, their home, Madison Square Garden, is attacked. Attacked by the circus. Attacked by the elephants. Big, gray, smelly, ugly elephants. You know what elephants do. Yeah, they never forget, but that's not what I meant. Elephants are big. They eat a lot. They don't use everything they eat. They get rid of what they don't use. As Warner Wolf would say, boom. Elephant droppings certainly have a lot of direct influence on the garden officials' ability to reform the ice service every time that the rangers play while the circus is at the garden. But more than that, elephant droppings represent a lurking evil, a suicidal desire by garden officials to sabotage the rangers every spring by stringing trapezes and nets across the garden ceiling, by giving clowns first call in the area that should be devoted to Dave Maloney and Ron Greshner, by letting elephants let loose on the floor. Oh, you Ranger fans forsaken by your team for the sake of elephants, don't even dream. Petition the club to drop the next two games to Los Angeles. It's so much easier than sitting through all of this elephant droppings. Year after year after year. And all you can do is go get a shovel. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare open a limited time 11 month certificate at kemba financial credit union at 5.25 percent apy it's more than triple the national average plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details offer expires may 31st 2024 apy equals annual percentage yield restrictions apply 500 minimum and two hundred fifty thousand dollars maximum deposit advantage status required comparison based on bank rate average federally insured by ncua